0: Hello at the one here Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up.
1: The elections here yes, is the worst elections ever in the history of our country. The biggest problem is they were not funded in time.
0: The head of a PNG think tank says the worst of the country's chaotic election is yet to come. Also, the leader of Fiji's National Federation Party calls out Australia and New Zealand for their silence on what he says are deteriorating standards of democracy and good governance in the Pacific.
2: If they are going to ignore this because they, they might be important for geopolitical space you know, in relation to China, then in the long run we will lose both.
0: And later on in the program we check in on Tokelau, where preparations are underway for the first in-person meeting of the General Fono in over a year. Widespread violence, major problems with electoral rolls and access to voting and inadequate security has marred the 2022 PNG general elections. It's a sorry situation for the Melanesian nation with over two dozen people confirmed dead and fears that the death toll could be much higher as polling ends and counting ramps up across the country. Experts and independent observers are calling the situation in the worst affected electorates disturbing and inhumane. PNG Think Tank Group Chief Executive Samson Komati says his country is under siege and the worst is yet to come with more elections and political disruption on the horizon. He spoke to RNZ Pacific's regional correspondent Kelvin Anthony.
1: Kelvin, the elections, yes, is the worst elections ever in the history of our country since 1975 years. What has happened is the commission was not funded. The biggest problem was they were not funded in time to prepare the common rule. So we used the 2017 common rule for the elections. So lots of people missed out in actual voting. Secondly, what happened is almost 60-70% of voting was not done by the people. Especially in the islands, the voting was... You know, ticked off by supporters of candidates. They pull the papers and then they just tick it for the people. So that people just stand up only at the voting time, only to observe. And so they mark the papers for the candidates. And that that's not really good for democracy. People didn't stand in line to cast their votes. Uh, supporters, key supporters, especially males, men, they pulled the pulled paper off of the ballot boxes and then they cut all of them for their candidate, preferred candidate and then put them back into the boxes and then took them to the counting room for counting. This is uh, very prevalent throughout the island region. And then the amount of violence that has happened in this election defeats all other elections. And the violence has just started and it, it will uh, continue because what happens in PNG is that after the counting and the declarations, that's when uh, candidates know that people who they voted or did not vote And they wasted a lot of resources. So the anger and the pain of loss kicks in that time, and that's when you know supporters take it to the ends and create more violence. By end of the counting declarations, you will see a lot of violence nationwide, especially in the islands, islands community, in the inland of the country, where it's very tense.
0: So, how does this situation get better?
1: never had a population census for the last 10 years or so. We don't actually know our population to begin with. So we just estimate that our population is 10 million. And the police force is less than 10,000 in this country. To spread out the 10,000 police force into 22 provinces and 118 districts, including the seven new districts that the parliament created, it's too thin. You look at about 100 or 200 policemen to, to every province and then to districts. The population has grown out of it. And the idle population, there's no investment in this country. The idle young people that have come out from the, or dropped out of the, Grade 6, grade 8, grade 10, grade 12 is so massive. 80% of the young people dropped out of the schooling system. They are idle. There's no job created by the government, past and present. It's a time bomb in this country. And when idle people have nothing to do, you look at elections, the time it triggers them to cause trouble and violence and mischief. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, We strongly feel that. The police force, the numbers, has uh, has to be grown uh, at 500,000. Even the military is uh, around 6,000. 6,000, It cannot contain any volatile situation in this country, especially when it happens concurrently. Like, it happens in be Lay Kuroka. If violence happens, breaks out in five or four provinces, the nation will shut down immediately. And with the power of social media, people can read and see what, what violence is happening in Mosby. They can have the chain reaction in Lay, in Nagan. And then you have a nation under siege from violence, and, and that's very, very likely. We just need a military presence all over the nation. Total and military in this country it may be less than twenty thousand. That's insufficient to contain any form of strategic violence, opportunistic
0: violence happening. You sound very depleted. Seems like that the situation in PNG has really got to you. So, what is the next few weeks looking like?
1: Next three more weeks is. Counting and declarations. So the lobbying is intense. The picking up the winning candidates, bringing them to the camps. There's basically two camps. One is a camp led by PNC and Peter O'Neill and some smaller parties. And then the other camp is led by James Maraby and we where all the winning candidates from Pangu they are congregating there as a political camp to lobby for more numbers. That is uh, continuing now. When the declarations is done, candidates are being picked up and they choose which team to join. So right now the Pangu is leading with numbers, I think, seven, and PNC is six members. So they're they almost neck to neck. For the formation of government, I think they invite the government general only to the party, they invite the party that has the highest number of winning candidates that are obviously endorsed during the elections by the, that particular party.
0: Now you've said that almost 70% of people haven't been able to actually vote. It's it, it's the supporters of the party who, who are voting for their own candidates. How does that justify uh, you know the 2022 elections being free and fair and the will of the people?
1: 22 elections, as I said, is the worst elections in history of our country. As I can remember, I've voted in about five, five elections, five general elections. I've voted myself and I've been heavily involved in politics as, uh, you know, political to the prime minister, former prime minister, uh, deputy prime minister, opposition leader. I've been working with them for 25 years. Uh, I know the elections very well. This one is the, it's the worst one. Our people's will are not represented through the ballot. Most elections in the islands, I think it's failed because people never voted. The papers were marked by idiots. Only one of them, that's it. And then they closed it up and took it to the
0: This is a constantly developing story, so for our latest on the Papua New Guinea elections, please head on over to the RNZ Pacific website at rnzi.com. The leader of the Opposition National Federation Party in Fiji, Biman Prasad, has called out Australia and New Zealand's governments for what he describes as a deafening silence on the declining standards of democracy, governance, human rights, media freedom and freedom of speech issues in some Pacific countries. Mr Prasad's comments come after the conclusion of the Pacific Islands Forum Leaders' Meeting, which failed to address some glaring regional issues, such as the Fiji government holding the University of the South Pacific to ransom over a spat with the vice-chancellor of the regionally owned institution, Also, questionable governance practices and a lack of accountability in Solomon Islands, which spilled over into riots last year, and the ongoing conflict and human rights concerns in West Papua, to name a few. RNZ Pacific has reached out to both the governments of Australia and New Zealand for comment before airing this interview on Mr Prasad's views, which were first published in the Australian National University's Dev Policy blog. And at the time this program was laid down, only the New Zealand Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade had replied, saying it has no comment to make on Mr. Prasad's blog. Nisam Bolivinaka and welcome on Pacific Waves, Mr. Prasad. If you can start by outlining your concerns for us.
2: Well, uh, essentially, what um, concerns me is that the uh, Pacific Forum is an important uh, leaders' meeting. And uh, of course, you know, both Australia and New Zealand uh, are members of the forum. And we know that um, there have been declining standards of uh, democracy, governance, uh, and uh, human rights issues, including media freedom uh, and freedom of speech issues um, in the Pacific. And uh, one would have expected, uh, even to the dislike of some within the forum you know who um, may not have liked that but um, at least some mention of uh, how the pacific forum uh, is going to deal with declining standards of democracy good governance human rights media freedom and freedom of speeches and we know that these issues um, have been on the decline in the pacific uh, in some countries more than the others uh, and Particularly you know in Fiji, and we, as members of the opposition party, have experienced this over the last you know several years, and so um, nothing um, no word from leaders, particularly Australia and New Zealand um, was a bit concerning
0: yes and and just speaking to some of these um issues you're talking about we we've seen uh, in Solomon Islands the government quite critical and of media there we've seen in Kiribati the, the judiciary now coming under our fire as well. Um, and, of course, in Samoa, the transition of power there was quite traumatic. So quite, quite a few things across, not not just Fiji, as you've mentioned there. Uh, what, what is the danger here of this silence?
2: Well, there are two things that that are happening. I mean, you know, when we talk about this whole Indo-Pacific strategy, you know, when, when you look at the Quad, you know, the only country which, uh, or the only leader who has probably talked about democracy, human rights, governors is Joe Biden, uh, the president of the United States of America. And um, we were expecting that the new prime minister in Australia, you know, Anthony Albanese and his government, you know, would, would perhaps, you know, take more interest in what has been happening in the region with respect to some of these issues. Uh, as I said, you know, climate change uh, issues. emphasis on climate change is necessary and welcome. But for many of the Pacific Island countries, you know, climate adaptation, building resilient, you know, climate uh, change infrastructure, uh, you know, means you know, mobilisation of resources both domestically and internationally. And if you have declining standards of governance, you know, lack of transparency and accountability. Um, you know, lack of respect for human rights and the whole idea of, you know, climate adaptation, climate justice uh, will be fraught with a lot of difficulties and the implementation of some of these uh, policies would be very, very difficult. But more importantly, um, if you look at, you know, how countries like Fiji, the government in Fiji, you know, I can speak about Fiji more more specifically, I mean, as a member of parliament, you know, and as opposition, uh, leader of opposition political party in parliament, I experienced firsthand the bullying, the intimidation uh, by this government and the declining standards of, of democracy, of transparency and accountability. And yet, you know, um, uh, you know, Fiji uh, uh, continues to behave. Uh, in the guise of, you know, campaigning climate change, you know, around the world and in the Pacific, that everything is hunky-dory in Fiji. It is not. And and that is why the forum is, is important. And we know that because of declining standards of democracy, human rights, uh, different practices, different laws, uh, there is a lot of fracture. The deportation of the vice chancellor of the University of the South Pacific at midnight, you know, in a Gestapo style, was a direct assault on human rights on academic freedom uh, at the University of the South Pacific and indeed you know it sends a chilling message to academics to students not only in Fiji but around the Pacific that governments do not tolerate you know these these uh, rights and and again you know there's been there's been some kind of silence you know on the on the way in which uh, you know the Fijian government has treated the University of the South Pacific, and and the whole fracture in the unity of the Pacific uh, island countries and within the forum. Uh, you know, as I've said before, um, to a large extent has been caused by the failure of leadership uh, by the Fijian Prime Minister and the Fijian government. And and I think uh, you know uh, some of the other countries in the Pacific, you know, uh, are, are probably learning. Stuff from Fiji, you know how to intimidate the opposition, how to make stupid laws to ensure that there is uh, there is uh, lack of freedom uh, and and the rest of it. So what we what we expect the forum as a group uh, to do is to talk about these issues. You know, uh, okay, you know one uh, understands the geopolitical geopolit- issues. You know the China bogey there, but I think the important thing is in the long run, you know, having Democracy, good governance, transparency and accountability will help us to unite the forum, unite the Pacific countries, uh, on on common international universal values of democracy, human rights, good governance, transparency, and accountability, upon which you know our traditional partners, including Australia and New Zealand, uh, have always uh, based their you know engagement and approach in the Pacific. And if if they are going to ignore this just because you know uh, they they want to. Uh, please you know certain leaders and countries in the pacific uh, because they they might be important to uh, for geopolitical space you know in relation to china, then in the long run uh, we we will lose both we will we will lose that strategic interest as well as we will lose uh, the the standards of democracy and the universal values you know around democracy uh, and the institutions that we value. Uh, and which awards with the institutions and the values of, of uh, countries who who enjoy this kind of you know dictatorial regimes in the Pacific and have more leeway and influence on them.
0: It's all go in Tokelau ahead of the first in-person general Fono in over a year. The General Manager for the Office of the Council of Nukunonu, Asi Pasilio, told our reporter Lydia Lewis a boat has already arrived with delegates from Fakaofo, with members from Atafu due to arrive by the end of business on Tuesday. Government officials are working through COVID-19 protocols for the first repatriation flight, which was confirmed at Afono earlier in the year via Zoom. Village issues finalising capital development projects and the passing of the 2022-23 budget are on the agenda for this Wednesday's in-person meeting of the Dokulaun leaders.
3: We will kick start with the discussion of the budget, which may take a whole day before they are passed over to the General Fono. So the first day would be the budget meeting. On the second day, we hope to have it finalised for General Fono to endorse, I mean, for as much as we want to um, have the General Fono a bit longer than this week, I don't think that would happen because uh, the weather might not permit it and uh, these delegates have to get back to their villages. So they might table a few papers, but I don't think there will be many. But the main main thing for this meeting is passing of the budget. The end of the week, uh, or the last day of the general, funnel, which might be Friday or Saturday, will be the launching of the Tokelau language website.
4: How significant is this? Tell me a bit about the language website.
3: This is a, a brilliant opportunity for the Tokelau government through the Department of Education. To have this website um, portraying the, um, the various uh, activities they have with their uh, tokelau language. And it is, a, it is a big thing because this is the first time it will uh, launch a website of the sort.
4: And also, how significant is this for now? COVID has caused disruption. So what does it mean for this meeting?
3: this is uh, the first time in year that we have come together as a, as a as a government and sit together and meet because it has been over the zoom in the last last year and uh, the the budget was also approved over zoom meeting last year so this is a really good opportunity for them to sit down and deliberate on the budget for the coming of the cloud.
4: What date was it when everyone last met in person? It
3: might have been last year in March. The weather is is, you know with the climate change we can really see the effect of it with the weather not really permitting travelling on big groups across Seattle so
4: tell me about those impacts that are that are really being felt
3: i mean last week there were big waves in the other atoll they damaged a few properties just big waves coming over to the island you know, the, the the change in the weather, we haven't had a rain for so long, but last week we have had a few rain, and this week as well, so we are truly blessed to have this rain, and we're really thankful that that we have some water.
4: What measures are in place for bringing people over for this fauna? Have they had to be tested?
3: So before um, uh, people travel within the atolls, we have the health staff of their villages to run a red test as part of the precautions before they travel.
4: Will people be travelling from Samoa for this general fauna?
3: Just in between the atolls, not from Samoa, not from outside of Tokelau.
4: Absolutely. We have
3: we have uh, We have public servants... Who, who are in Samoa, they will be um, providing advice and listening into the general phono via Zoom.
4: Are you one of the last remaining nations in the world to be COVID free?
3: Yes, yes. And we hope to keep it that way. <laughs> we have a lot of work going on now with the general phono on and um, preparation for repatriation. We are busy at the moment.
4: With the repatriation will that be the first international travel since the borders closed?
3: Yes, that would be ever since um, two years ago I think. Currently in Nukunonu and in Tokelau, we are preparing for the first repatriation. We're hoping to have the first repatriation in late august or early september by saying this i am not really sure of the timing it depends on when samoa opens up its border for overseas traveling and uh, that is what we're doing now preparing for the repatriation
0: that brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Thank you, Tomas, and look at follow next time more.